He's not talking about that here. So I think you're adding, you're, you're trying to see through his crying <laughs> and say, there's more to it, Neil. And I'm telling it's you, deeper. it's deeper. bullshit. There's yeah. not more to it. He, he's a baby and we need to slap him. Welcome to the Arcaspeak Podcast. I'm Evan Troxell. Each episode, Neil Pan, Cormac Phelan, and I have a casual conversation about all things architecture, and we invite you to listen in as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the blocks of Corbusier's City of Tomorrow more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we stand around the water cooler and talk about why we love our chosen profession. It's time for some Arcaspeak. Welcome to episode 39 of the Arcaspeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And before we get to tonight's episode... Uh, first off, we've got some business to take care of, which uh, I think Evan has. A f- we have a friend of the show this week. Yep, we've got one friend of the show this week, and we got a $5 donation from Q Kim, who is from Palo Alto, California, so another Bay Area listener. So thanks, Q, for your donation to the podcast. And if anybody else would like to get their name read on the show and get our sincere thanks for supporting the show and all the stuff that goes on to uh, to make the show happen... We would love it if you would visit com slash donate, and you can find out more there. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So for this week, um, this is, is something that kind of blew up on Twitter uh, recently, and I was first made aware of it by Linda Zaff, a follower of mine and, and a friend of the show. Um, and then we actually did receive a, uh, I think mainly because of a dare, um, a phone call. So somebody actually called our phone line, which, oh, let's see. What is that Who's number? That? Evan, do you have that? No. Damn. Neither do I. You're the phone guy. Yeah. I'm the phone guy. <laughs> You're right. And and that number. It goes directly to your phone, It right? does go directly to my phone. So call anytime. Um, it is 415-484-8496. And so Laura Teagarden actually called the number and uh evan go ahead and cue that up yep here we go hello hey guys laura teagarden here um after our hour plus conversation about the millennials article yesterday i realized that the post i made about it on facebook also gained some interest from fellow ball state cap alums and other architecture friends so to Appease the Arcaspeak powers that be. This is my formal request to discuss this article, both the merits and the sensational generalization. I have my own thoughts, but I'd love to hear yours. And based on yesterday's conversation, I know that Neil and Evan have some editorial comments. Have at it, guys. Excellent. So thank you, Laura, for calling into the show. And that article was Why the Millennial Architect Won't Be Your CAD monkey what a nice way to put it and just before we get into it because i was talking to a couple of those um future millennial architects today in the office 
they would prefer to be called rabbit monkeys <laughs> or bim bitches. Wow. I heard, yeah, yeah. I think I think Bob has the bimja thing covered over at Life of an Architect. Bim ninjas. Bim ninjas? Yeah, I, bimja. Uh, see, I think I also heard it as um, rendering bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I have a nicer term. It's graphic secretary. Fair Which, enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of what it is sometimes, so... So about this article. About this article. Well, Evan, I think you had an interesting take on it pre-show. Why don't they... <laughs> what do you? What do you? What was your take on well, this? Let's. Let, no, let, I want to get Evan to, to say what his what his thought might have been first off. Well, okay. So real quick, the article is on Archetizer. It's called "Why the Millennial Architect Won't Be Your Cad Monkey," which Neil said. But just to refresh, we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes. You can get the show notes delivered to your mailbox. Go to arcuspeakpodcast.com. And on the right side of just about every page, you can sign up to get the show notes delivered. So you can read along with this. And I would recommend reading it before listening um, so you can form your own opinions about it. Um, my, you know, after I read this, my, my first take, it, I, I didn't have the big reaction that a lot of people do. I, I mean, obviously, this article, I think, is trying to get um, a big reaction because it is such a negative article. But... um what if this article was written by somebody who's just completely fed up <laughs> with uh, interns or millennials who do actually come across this way? And maybe they don't mean to, but I think we've probably all seen it or heard about it or heard from colleagues of ours who have, you know, whiny people working for them who, you know, nothing goes right because nobody's holding their hand enough. But um, what... You know, I, I don't want to say, like, l let's just react to this article as if it were true. I mean, what a, this is on the Internet, people. I mean, we, we can't just accept it for what it is. There could be a, a daily show kind of angle being Maybe. taken here to this <laughs> to this thing. I thought everything on the Internet was real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, right? it, it's real. All right. But but I, I you know. So cowboys don't ride dinosaurs. I just wanted to throw that out there because <laughs> I don't. I don't think we should just accept it at face value, per se. It, there's a good chance that it's that it isn't. But you know, because I don't know Nathaniel Eck. I don't know if that's a real person. I don't know if that's a pen name. I don't know. You know, if you go to his supposed website, there's just a form there to fill out too. There, there's no, there's no work shown. There's no about page. There's no bio. There's you know, there's nothing. Well, and, you know, and I tend to agree with you because, you know, although there are some things in there that, you know, did kind of tick me off on the way that they were presented, you know, it was, it was, I, I kind of felt like, cause, cause I do the same thing that, you know, it was presented in kind of a shock value type way to get a rise out of people, to get the discussion, you know, started to, to have this dialogue to really... I, I kind of looked at it as a way to take something positive out of it is, you know, this we is know... a TMZ version of, of an architecture article though. Right. I mean, it, it is yeah. sensational oh, on, it, uh, hopefully it's... it's sensational on purpose to get people talking and having a discussion, but I mean, it's well, got you know, 46,000 I mean, views on the website. As, as we say often on the show, I mean, there's a failing of 
the architectural educational system. Um, you know, and I, I shared this article with a couple of uh, millennials in our office because I wanted to kind of get their take on it before we started, you know, recording because, you know, I'm, I'm interested, you know, we're going to be, I'm, well, we all are coming into this conversation as Gen Xers. So we know how we are and we know how, you know, we've kind of approached our whole thing. And, and we have very similar views as this guy does, you know, on his generation as we have on our own generation. But, um, you know, so I wanted to kind of get their take on, you know, a couple of the ideas and notion. And as we were talking through all of this, one of the things that kind of came to light was it, it was almost that, that big lie that architecture school t tells you, you know, that you're going to, you know, be the next architect. You're going to be, you know, um, designing all the time and doing all of these things. And the thing about it is, is that they're just not being very genuine when they're explaining to you what you're going to be doing for your career. And when they get into the career, you know, into the profession and they're sitting down at their first job and stuff, they look at that. Wait, whoa, this, this isn't is... what you promised. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I didn't sign up for this. I mean, it was, it was like my reaction when I went into the army, I'm like, whoa, this, you know, you, 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 you told me something completely different and this ain't it. Mm -hmm. People are yelling at me, um, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it's, you know, so it, it was, it was interesting because it, it was almost like he was disillusioned at the reality of the profession. It's hard to say if it's disillusioned based on, you know, being new to it or if it's just, uh, they're just sick of all the crap because there is a lot of crap. I mean, you, it doesn't necessarily need this type of a tone to state that there's a lot of crap that people have to deal with. And I find that a lot of people take the approach of, you know, the AIA needs to save us. I've actually seen that comment on several blogs. Um, I think that I, the last time I saw it was on Mark LePage's blog um, on Entree Architect talking about repositioning and stuff like that. One of the comments was, you know, screw the AIA. They need to come save us. And I feel like, you know, a lot of times people are taking the position of somebody needs to do this for me, whether it's move the profession forward, whether it's to pivot and look at it a different way or approach business a different way, or if it's if the AIA needs to come in and, and help us out because they're not really doing much that, that I see, you know, depending on, on how you're looking at it, I think a lot of times people take the I'm just going to sit here and wait until something happens approach. And it could just be that they're coming from the, the aspect of that when in this article, like I'm sick of all the crap. Um, and hopefully this will get some people to talk about this, but you know, you know, there's, there's ways to be constructive in approach change, or there's the whiny way to say, you know, can we just, somebody else needs to change this for us. Right. And this clearly is the, the latter, not the former. Well, it's hard to tell. I mean, there there's definitely some conviction in here, right? You know, in in there's things it as part of that conviction that are things that we talk about on the show that, you know, we talk about with our friends in the profession, um that other people in the profession talk about that aren't new, 
Um, and so to, to frame it as if you're the only one who feels this way and that the older generation or the current generation just doesn't get it. I mean, everybody went into this thinking that they were going to revolutionize architecture, you know, in some way, form or fashion. Um, I doubt you know, that, but I, you know, I don't think everybody thinks on those terms. Well, I, I know that maybe not, that but sounds ideal though. <laughs> but I mean, don't we all at least enter into it with some form of, idealism? we definitely know people who have that type of an outlook. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people. And, you know, so, I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are framed in the article that, um, that sound great, you know, in, and, and I use this speech with all of their, our new hires that come work with me. The first thing that I tell them is, is that I am not going to make your career for you. You're going to make your career. You're going to be the one who frames what you want out of your career, what you do with your career, and what you gain knowledge-wise with your career. Absolutely. I'm just going to be a tool to help facilitate you learn how to put buildings together. But it's you who's going to make your career. So figure out what you want out of it and do it. And, yeah. you know, and, and that's essentially, you know, the idealism that I'm trying, you know, the, the somewhat forceful way of imparting some kind of knowledge of, of idealism is like, look, this is, you were told in architecture school that architecture was this way. You're going to get out into the profession. You're going to find that it's that way. Well, guess what? Now, what way do you want it to be? You know, and, and, and that's what I, you know, I, I mean, some of the things that I got from the, you know, from Nathaniel's article was, was that, you know, your way of doing it is not the way I want to do it. Yeah. I want to do it this way. Well, that's great. Everybody, everybody should take that stance when they're forming their ideas for their ideal career. Yeah. I agree, and I, I feel like this article is kind of the the tortured artist's view of it where um, they're painting, like even the second paragraph, it just says, past generations of architects merrily went about their careers, toiling away as interns while getting little to no pay doing monotonous low-level drone work. Um, here's, a, here's an interesting painting by uh james victoria that i found um and it's it's just this neon orange text on top of some garage sale painting that he picked up and it says you have no friends you have no enemies you only have teachers and i think that that really applies to the sentiment in this article as as kind of like a a comeback to this viewpoint right it's like what you're saying, Cormac, you get to decide what your career is going to be. And there's a couple ways to look at it. It's happening to you or you're making it happen and doing with it everything you can get out of it. And I feel like this is kind of, you know, coming from the, the position of, or maybe just fed up with that first position. And right. because there is a little bit of cheerleading going on here, right? They're saying here that um, the payoff's going to be worth it. You know, the trials and tribulations of the tortured artist will one day yield a masterpiece and that they would be richer for the experience. Um, I mean, there does seem to be some kind of cheerleading going on, but 
but really when it comes down to it the garbage in garbage out what you put in is what you're going to get out of it if right. ask not what you can do for your country but what you're sorry the other way around ask not what your country <laughs> can do for you but what you can do for your country i mean it's it's all that theme right and and it doesn't it's no different in architecture well the thing that you know in part in, you know distilling a little bit out of that particular uh, paragraph and then a little bit further down the one thing that it seemed like um, he was discounting was that all of the monotony doing air quotes here um, is <laughs> this is a radio show exactly that's why I had to say it because <laughs> I actually really just did it <laughs> um, is the the monotony is the experience that helps build your knowledge for your career and whether you think that, you know, and, and this was part of the discussion that I was having with these guys in our offices, you know, they, they seem to take, because they actually took somewhat of an offense to the way that this article was written, very much kind of like one of the, one of our favorite comments about, um, and I'm going to go ahead and, and read this particular, uh, this comment from uh, Canis Maximus. Um, I'm a millennial architect, and this is one of the most embarrassing, narcissistic piece of garbage I've ever read. Do you have any real experience, Nathaniel? Do you understand the concept of clients, budgets, experience, and teamwork? I challenge you to read this in 10 years. You'll likely be too embarrassed to even open it. And what that basically said, and what the conversation that I had with you know these young guys in our office were, is that they understand and appreciate that the people who paved the way for them forward are what is going to give them the knowledge base to be able to impart change on the profession, to move it in the modern direction, to, you know, help change the path of license, you know, licensure and, you know, do all of these things that, you know, people nowadays are blaming us as you know well you just accepted this archaic way of think of of thinking and doing and so you know what you got is what you get you know kind of thing um versus you know we're not going to accept this old-fashioned archaic um way of doing things we're gonna you know push the we're gonna push this forward well you can't push it forward without basic knowledge of where it all came from how it got to where it is and strategize how to push it forward it's you know we were we were talking about the the generation of the 30 second soundbite you know it's i get my news in 30 seconds if it's no if it's longer than that then i don't really pay attention to it well it's sort of, you know, sort of the way he's approaching this. Well, you know, if you don't keep my interest, then I'm just going to move on. Well, I can't keep your interest all the time when I'm teaching you how to do details or I'm teaching you how to do CA or I'm teaching you how to do this or I'm teaching you how to do that. But all of this stuff that we're trying to teach you is going to be what you're going to be able to use to change it from where it is now to where you think you really want it to be. 
Yeah. One of the things when I first read this that I had issue with amongst many others, but you I think... sound so calm right now, Neil, <laughs> this isn't how you reacted. Well, I, I attempted to give blood today, so I'm, a, I'm almost a pint low. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so maybe that's affecting my affecting me. Drink juice and get angry. <laughs> yes. My Hulk juice. Um, I, I don't know. I think your guys's take on this is, is calming me a little bit, but, um, because I think, I think you, you're, you're mostly right about it, but, but there's a few things in here that I kind of have issues with, um, more than that. But anyway, you know, part of the, part of our profession is, is to actually, we have to, we have to do things. Okay. Um, we have to commit to designing. We have to um, negotiate contracts. We have to, as he say says, build models or model building, drafting, spec sheets. Um, these are and details. Okay, CA um, dealing with you know changes in scope, schedule, uh, building officials, uh, plan check comments. None of this is Not glamorous. To mind running the business. Well, well, and and sometimes none of it is glamorous. Even design. Sometimes that's just not glamorous work. You, we've talked in previous shows where, you know, when we talked about inspiration, sometimes you don't have that inspiration that day and you just have to power through it. You have to find it. And, you know, so even design, you know, isn't the this great and all-powerful uh you know, going to tickle his fancy every single day. And I guess what I'm trying to get at is all of these things that, that go into the architectural profession, building, uh, you know, doing everything to that, that is necessary to build a building, you know, whether it is a, a simple garage or a room addition, all the way up to a skyscraper, you know, or some fancy modern museum or bridge, all of these things have to be done they're not all glamorous. They take six to eight hours of, as he says, homogeneous, low-level work. It's like, yeah, that is the profession you have chosen to enter. And, you know, I have a surprise for you. Every damn profession you enter will require that. It doesn't matter whether it's Every. architecture or if you want to go into, um, you know, acting or... Uh, directing in, you know, Hollywood or heck, if you're just serving food in a restaurant, it's hard work. All of it. Nothing is just, um, you know, fancy and, you know, I, I don't know. I, that's, that's part of what I mostly take most offense to this entire article is that it just assumes that I can just kind of wander in and out, do whatever I want to do. And, um, it's the the employer's responsibility to make my life exciting and make my work worth it. And <laughs> yeah. I don't have to work. You're there it's, to make them money, yeah. And, yeah. and it's like, well, wait a minute, buddy. No matter what work you do, it's going to be difficult. Now, granted, there are some professions out there where you're going to make more money for those eight hours. And if that to you, and this is part of the second part of what really annoys me about this is that, you know, 
if you he he makes he basically compares architecture to being to working for or um not necessarily the exact same thing but he he feels that you know creative and smart and innovative things are working for apple and google and facebook and tesla and spacex as what he says here in his article and the problem here is that those companies are not architectural companies well, they're a completely different industry now granted but he can he can make the analogy that those might be great companies to work for that those companies have done great and interesting things and that have benefited society um that's a question about facebook there but <laughs> um but it but you can't compare those two you can't compare ar- the architectural profession to working for those firms so you may get paid more to go work in the tech industry but you're not going to get paid like that to work in the architectural profession. But and even if you do go to work in the tech industry, those guys work crazy freaking hours. Oh yeah. And you know, that, so was... he's not even, he's not even thinking about that here. He's like, Oh, okay. We're going to get offered drastically higher pay. Okay, fine. We all want drastically hired pay, but we all have clients to deal with. And those clients are not paying 99 cents for a damn app that are being sold on well, over 250 million iPhones out there. So well, you know, the, the economies of scale here are just, they're completely different. So if you want to go make that money or make yourself feel all excited for your six to eight hours of work, go work for those damn companies. Because obviously after writing something like this, Nathaniel, you'll never get a job working for an architectural firm. So go start your own, be part of what you call the most entrepreneurial generation ever, which, you know, that's, I think maybe every generation thinks they're the most entrepreneurial. Guess what? You're not. Okay. Um, Maybe they are. Well, maybe they are. Maybe we'll find out in another several decades from now, but it isn't right now. And I think his juice kicked in. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just... This well, article, I I understand. Well, this it's, is you know, a shot. Maybe this is a shot real. across the bow. I mean, uh, to me, you know, just like working in a firm, actions speak louder than words. And and he talks about meaningless work. And and I've said it before. You know, you can find meaning in every piece of work that you do. You can find Absolutely. design in every job position in the firm. And right. you might work for someone who's a total jerk. Um, and then that's your prerogative to go find somewhere else to work or to find out what you need to do next to take the next level up in your career. I think it's very interesting that he talks about how these companies like Tom's, Revolution Foods, Warby Parker, and the like, to me, those companies don't give off the air that this article does, right? No. They don't give off the the woe is me um, and I'm sick and tired and now I'm going to going to get pissed off they what they do is they care about people and i think what that has to do what that has in common with architecture is that architecture is for people and what i don't get from this article is that the author cares about what architecture is really for which is architecture is for people and you can find value in lots of different firms if you have to learn how to do architecture, it sounds like Nathaniel doesn't have to learn how to do architecture. He already knows how to do it. But if you've got to learn how to do architecture, you can find a firm that cares about what they do. You can go do low-income housing. You can go work for Habitat for Humanity. You can volunteer there. You could partake in open-source architecture. 
there's so many ways that you can contribute to the better part of the things that are being mentioned in this article and actually do it instead of just writing a, a, a flashy piece like this. And one of the things when I was trying to get a word in edgewise, but sorry, I, I was on a roll. Well, I mean, your juice kicked in and I really, you know, it, it was fighting an uphill battle there, but, <laughs> but you know, with with all of the examples that he gave of all of these cutting edge, um, you know, tech companies and things like that, and even the common good companies, that, and and I don't want to take anything away from what Evan just said about you can find design and you can find meaning in anything and everything that you do, whether it's the what you claim to be the mundane specs or this that and the other. If you don't see the meaning behind the interrelation of all of these different aspects in the greater whole of creating a building, then you're not really fully understanding architecture. Yeah, it's um, totally a big picture thing here, and you're right. You know, I, I was I was talking to, you know, I was talking to these guys, and I want to. Um, you know, put in our show notes a link to the um, uh, the the YouTube video um, "Powers of Ten, and I, I bring this up often. In you know, the thing that I look, I think, I thank, not think, I thank my professors, and it was my professor Alan Cook was the one who showed this to me. "Powers of Ten was is is a great example of what this guy is missing in you know kind of like this greater greater being of architecture it's this micro and macro view of everything and how all of that stuff interrelates to each other and as simple as that 10 minute video was um what they were trying to say is that everything has a point of purpose and meaning whether it is just the mundane thing or it is the big picture and all that other stuff it all interrelates and it all works together so you may be learning toilet room plants well how are those toilet room plants going to help you become um, a more socially connected architect it will it's just you're missing that interconnect. You're missing the vision of what that interconnected view is, because it's not satisfying to you. It doesn't, you know, fulfill some inner need that you have. Um, Maybe and, he's impatient. Well, and and that's and that was that's it, and that's where I was going with it is that, you know, we're getting to a time in our our you know, society where there are a lot of people who are coming up in this world and us all being parents, we see this in our own children that they're, you know, multitasking with so many different things and they're doing so much stuff. But what's the first thing they usually say? I'm bored. Yeah. It's like, but you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing this, you're doing that. I tell my kids, I don't accept that. Yeah. I was like, how that's on you bored when you're doing all of this stuff uh you know so no it, you're lazy it's it's this you know if you're looking for fulfillment you know which is one of these things that you know this guy keeps talking about is you know 
you know, you should give me fulfillment. Well, shit, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do that when you're so multitasked to the hilt that if you can't find anything fulfilling of all of that, then you're just, you're, you're geared to doing a bunch of meaningless, mundane things and never really gaining anything from it. So how can I help you? I mean, what, what is it that I'm going to be able to do for you? Um, you know, so, I mean, that, that's, that's something that we'll never be able to answer because, you know, ease as, like I said, as parents, I mean, you know, we've got our kids that are kind of do all of this stuff. And then at the end of the, the just, you know, they're on board. I mean, my son is literally, he's listening to music in his headphones. He's playing, a, you know, on his DS. Um, he's just kind of like pacing around in the room. And then he looks at me and he's like, I'm bored. How are you bored? You're doing three different things. How are you bored? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so how are you unfulfilled? What can I do? Tell me what I can do to feed you. You know, kind of I think, thing. yeah, it goes back to attention span. It goes back to being able to handle constant distractions or not, you know, being in the moment versus not being in the moment. I, when I was teaching, um, it was very hard to keep a classroom full of people's attention because they're on their laptops. I mean, I was teaching digital design and they're on laptops. Well, guess what's not on the screen is what I'm teaching, right? They're on exactly Facebook, Instagram. It doesn't matter. Um, there's this constant bombardment of stuff. And that's kind of what this sounds like a little bit too, right? I mean, what, one thing that I hope comes out of this article, it, I mean, obviously it seems like there is some, I'll call it energy. I don't know if it's really passion or not, but there's definitely energy here that that should be more positive, but I hope that this person can sustain it because I think that that more than anything is what our office's need is is positive energy um positive passion i mean that's what i don't know if everybody who's listening was was watching twitter this week but a few of us participated in this thing called architox if you search the hashtag architox all one word you can see some different articles and it was different questions regarding a career in architecture and one of them was you know what's some what's the one thing you look for an employee in it an employee and my answer is passion i mean i get so much out of someone with a true passion for architecture and i feel like it adds so much to the office um there's lots of everybody has their own one word answer to that but that was mine and i because i feel like at least where i'm at right now that is the one thing that i can really look at and get inspired by and the more inspiration that's in an office, the better. I was just going to say that uh, he points out that by 2025, that uh, this generation will make up 75% of the workforce. And I, and I hope that there's, um, let's just hope that 75% of the workforce in the architectural profession by 2025 doesn't have this attitude because uh, you know, actually, it's not going to be good. Because if you, it, you know, if you follow an, an you know, because this article's got several different links to seven different, several different other articles and and stuff that kind of helped, I guess, reinforce some of the points that he was trying to make. Um, and in one, it's talking about the millennials making up seventy five percent, and then in another, um, it's the 
Generation Y making up the. Um, in fact, actually, you know, here's the thing. Um, yeah, the Generation Y takes over the global uh, workforce, who, little more than ten years, will compose or comprise seventy-five percent of the workers worldwide. You know, and that is, you know, two slightly different generations. Um, millennials are not the Gen Ys. Um, they're the gap between the millennial and us. Um, they're that generation. And, you know, you, they're, I guess they're the, the eight or the nineties kids, eighties kids, whatever. Um, and they seem to not, you know, they, they seem to be the ones who are as, I guess, equal, you know, equal culprits to the, um, the mundane that this guy is arguing about in our profession that, you know, um, not mundane, well, whatever he was talking, you know, where, whatever he was griping about that, um, he's, he's arguing about, but anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here because I'm trying to read and, and talk at the same time. It doesn't work, does it? See, Maybe, it's it, Gen it really, X, man. He can't yeah. do multitask. <laughs> yeah, Gen X is. It's, it's, yeah, there's it's, lots it's, of science behind that. I it, it's singular focused. I, I wouldn't. Can't, yeah, I wouldn't take that yeah. as a negative. Well, you know, actually, it's it, and that goes to some of the conversations that I was having earlier with these guys. Is you know, they're like, well, you know, I mean, we're. If you look at us, you know, we've got a phone in one hand and we're clicking on, you know, we're doing this and we're doing that and stuff like that. I'm like, but the primary. And you're not doing any one of them very well. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> but the primary focus here is that you're trying to, you're, you're, you're trying to get this building done right, detailed right, and all of that other stuff. But if you've got all of these side focuses going on, how do you know that you're going to be doing it right? I mean, I've got perfect examples, you know, and un unfortunate examples of where millennials were doing modeling on in Revit for me. And because at the time, this was my the very first Revit project that I, that I was involved with, I was the project manager, did not know Revit, knew CAD, you know, like nobody's business, but did not know Revit. And so I relied a little too much on, you know, kids who were just coming out of college to do all of the modeling and accepting it at face value that it was right. Mm -hmm. It came back to bite me in the ass pretty hard yeah, when, it was, to me when it was out in the field and... They drew something that when they dimensioned it, it was a good, you know, anywhere from th one to three feet off of reality. I think you mean three foot and 57 sixty fourths. Yes. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, crazy. you know, some crazy business like that. But, you know, in, you know, to then turn back around and have to redetail out. And, you know, redo things because of, you know, some pretty big busts um, or, you know, kind of fudging things because rather than asking the right way to do things, well, you know, I've got a computer. I can just make my building do what I want it to do. Well, 
The problem is, is that these are existing buildings and they're there. Don't change them. They're staying. It's yeah. what we're doing to them is what's new and different. And, you know, so point being is that you know if you're if you're not focused in on the one task at hand you know how are you going to do anything right or how are you going to do anything well enough to do it right um and then not understanding what the consequences are when somebody's like you know hey you know this uh thing that you just did just cost the project a hundred thousand dollars in um additional service you know additional fees out in the field yeah. Yeah. One thing I'd like Nathaniel to answer for us is what does he consider meaningful work? He talks about it several times through the article and I'm not really sure what that means to him. You know, he says, well, that he's, he says, he's, I think what he says, what it yeah. is by saying what meaningless work is, if you go down lower in the article, which is, I think any, any type of work that a CAD monkey does. All of these, all of the mundane tasks and, yeah. you know, that apparently... All of the things that have to be done in architecture? Uh, this is I an mean... interesting thing. I mean, maybe maybe as a separate topic for another night, but there's, yeah, the the mundane tasks, the actual drawing, the documentation of the building, I mean, maybe you don't consider yourself the person to do those tasks, but those tasks are still necessary to get to the end, right? So, right. Oh, yeah. so who are they for? Who are those tasks for? I mean, there are definitely people who work in our offices who don't aspire to the things that the leaders aspire to, or, or some like, the, I, that's why I said earlier, Cormac, you know, when you were saying that we all had aspirations to make the profession better. I don't think everybody does. I think a lot of people just go because it's, it's a job. Um, and to me, like, yeah, it's necessary. It's it's part of the business. These are the people who enjoy doing that work. I mean, really, there are lots of people who enjoy doing that kind of work. They want to do the red lines. They want to clock in. They want to clock out. They want to go home. They want to forget about it. Um, and so I think that's okay for some people. It's not okay for everybody. Oh, and he's making the blanket statement that basically – that's not okay for everybody, and everybody should be well, wanting to do all this other stuff. I think it's impossible to write an article without generalizing. Fair enough. So I, I do think it's sensational. I said this on, in Twitter when we were originally talking about this, too. I think it is. there's a lot of sensational stuff in here, but I think generalizations come with the territory when, when you're yeah. writing an article like this. Well, you know, I mean, the people that, you know, since this is in a way my second career, Army being the first, um, though it wasn't really a career, it was a job. Um, the people who changed the way things were done in the Army were the people who could master all of the different facets of any given job that they, you know, were tasked to do. Um, because it was lead by example, and there's, you know, no way to... I hate to use this, you know, this statement of you know, winning the hearts and minds, but I mean, there's no way of changing and having any, everybody else who you want to inspire to make all of this change. There's no way of inspiring them without being able to prove to them that you can do what you're asking them to do. It's called credibility, and you can't just show up with credibility right. most of the time. And you can't get credibility 
by just you know blushing over the surface i mean we were you know we were talking about and i and i had made mention of you know this 30 minute soundbite type mentality and he makes reference you know in the article about well you know ra- i rather than being working an eight-hour job and being unfulfilled i'd like to just do a bunch of part-time jobs well what that means is that you know you're willing to just get to kind of like scratch the surface of a job you know of a of a real job and learn all of the intricacies of it to master it to then change it to you know bend it to your will you're just going to get a bunch of little bits of information which really means that you know a little bit but you mastered nothing yeah and it, you know how are you going to really change something if you don't really know how it works well clearly he doesn't care and in fact it's his employer's fault that he doesn't care no yeah, that's what he says. He says, you'll be stuck with the $25,000 bill right. and it's it. your fault. Because really? You did not make my life enriched and fulfilled. Well, <laughs> see, that's the thing. There's lots of me well, and my and demand. I and... think, well, okay, so so take... Wait, take there's the no other... I in architecture. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> take take the other side, though. I mean, if if you read between the lines here... um. I think there's a lot of people working in jobs who have lots of great ideas and try to put them out there on the line and get ignored. Um, I mean, this happens all the time, right? So I, I can see where he's coming from. I mean, <laughs> you get you get to a point in your career. I mean, what I see is 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 people who, who are in their 50s and 60s get to a point in their career where they finally are in charge. It's not like they got to be in charge in their late 20s or 30s and possibly even the 40 their 40s they've waited a really long time to take over these firms and work their way up and do the work to get to these points and then once they get in charge a millennial is going to walk in and say i can do this way better way faster way cheaper and i can uh, triple the bottom line i mean chances are no these people have been waiting 30 years to get to this point. Now they get to make some decisions too. You kind of have to look at it from that perspective as well. I don't I don't think they've been waiting, Evan. I think they've been working towards that. Well, that's what that I mean, goal, but it right? takes they're not it waiting takes, at all. I didn't say they were waiting. I said okay. they're they're working their way up to that point sure, and it takes sure. an incredible amount of patience to get there. And right. and I th- and I think that's that's the key to what, you know, he's saying is that you know, one it's <laughs> they well, don't first, want to wait. They don't want to wait. They don't. Right. They want it now, and unfortunately, that is a byproduct of the, the kids generation. that have the yeah. kids that have been made. You know that that society's the, that's something that society created. No child left behind. You know. Yeah. I mean, we created. You know, baby boomers created kids that have no patience to wait for anything. When the kids start screaming, you know, I want this. The only way to shut them up is to give it to them. Well, guess what? That's how they approach the way that they work. Yeah. Is if they're if they don't get it now, they're going to start screaming. And there's either one or two ways, you know, to deal with it: smack them till they shut up, or give it to them. <laughs> uh, I know that, but. 
That is not politically correct. <laughs> it's not. But I mean, what what you guys were just saying is is that that's that's the thing that kind of rubbed a lot of people, including us. Um, I know Neil. If and we I know take me. it at face value, yeah. If sure. we take it at face value, that's right. what rubbed us wrong about I would, this article. I would hope that, that it is really at face value, just because this is on another website that actually published this, and it's not like it's published on their own blog. This is right. not Nathaniel's blog. This is Archetizer. So hopefully there's some amount of, I don't know, there's got to be something in there that, that makes this real. Well, so let's let's at least stop if, for a unless second. Unless it's a social experiment. <laughs> well, you know, let, let's stop for a second and let's let's be a little fair to Nathaniel in in some aspects of this. And I, and I kind of touched on it earlier, is that essentially at, let me be idealistic here. At the root of all of this, he's basically demanding that the profession get better, you know, become more, become, you know, to stay relevant, it needs to move into the new millennium. And we say that all the time. We don't say it this particular way. But we do say that it needs to change. It needs to get better. It needs to listen to all of its members. Like, you know, when we're talking about AIA, listening to all of its members like, you know, the small businesses. And, you know, when we referenced, uh, you know, um, big time small firm, um, you know, we we want everybody to be heard because everybody can push the the profession positively forward um and if we want to be you know if if we want to um take something fair out of this from him that's what he's asking for that's what he's calling for the problem is is that the way that he's going about doing it is that work be damned experience be damned everything that you know, gives you that level of confidence to inspire people to follow you, be damned, just give it to me because I'm screaming louder. <laughs> See, I have to disagree with you, Cormac. I don't think he's asking for the profession to change, for the profession to get better. I don't see that here in this article. Um, he wants everything for himself. And he wants it now. I, I don't see a call for a better profession in this article. Um, I, I just don't see it. There, there's, you know, we, we demand, we this, we that. Um, it's not like these things need to change for a better profession. He never, he never talks about that. He just wants things for himself to be better. He wants the firms out there to make his day interesting and not boring and give him 50 different tasks a day. And, um, you know, he's willing to be available 24 seven. Um, and he wants, uh, you know, drastically higher pay, um, work task diversity. And I, and, and if he, if you give him all this, he is somehow going to triple our bottom line. 
I'm not sure how that's going to happen, but I don't see him crying out for anything in this article that says the profession needs to be better or a lot of the things that we discuss on this show and uh, just, you know, most recently in the last, uh, not the last episode, but episode um, 37, where we talked uh, with some friends from the AIA conference, you know, talking about how do we improve the profession for all of us? He's not talking about that here. So I think you're adding, you're, you're trying to see through his crying <laughs> and say, there's more to it, Neil. And I'm telling it's you, deeper. it's deeper. bullshit. There's yeah. not more to it. No, I he, think he wraps it up in the end. He's a baby and we yeah. need to slap him. He wraps it up in the end and, and you know, like saying, watch out because here, here, here we are before you know it, we're going to be taken over. Um, it's, it's not like a, let's work together to make this better. It's a, you better no. watch, watch your back. That's right. So, you know, good luck to him. I hope this is a a fake name because Nathaniel, if this is your real name, um, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) Because I mean, you've basically insulted any and everyone you're ever going to talk to in this profession. I mean, you've, you've been say essentially, um, insulted, you know, um, the current profession out there. You're, you insulted, uh, me, uh, as a Gen Xer, um, and that I basically have been doing nothing but, you know, getting little to no pay for doing montanist and the low level drone work for my career. Well, thank you f- very much, Nathaniel. <laughs> well, you know, I, I th- you can I think... add the beep there if you'd like to, Evan, even though I didn't go for it. But, I, you know, it's I don't see that here. And so I'm not going to let you go there. I, Again, I mean, you can like go said, there, but I'm going to tr- I'm not going to. Tr- I'm not going to. I was trying that. to read into if if there was anything positive that. Could oh, come you're out trying of it. to give him a big sucker so he could be happy, and the baloney. No, he needs to. He needs to be bent over the knee and slapped on the ass. <laughs> okay, baloney, you know Cormac. That's a completely different show altogether. And, <laughs> I think we know. beat this one to death. Yes, but I, mean, I, I, think I think we've said so. the same thing 80 different ways. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but well, but, he, it's, but, it's but you are, but Neil, you are right. I mean, you know, essentially what he did was basically spit in the face of everybody who will be able to give him the tools. If he wants to take over this profession, fine. In fact, any project mm-hmm. manager, any um, uh, business owner or whatever – that's basically what they should always be doing is preparing the next generation to take over this profession. But what he's done but is But that's he's a selfless act as well, which isn't happening. Well, for the most true. Part. But I mean, I'm saying in the reality, I, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to. Ideal. Know, Again, back to the uh, ideal, you and your uh, ideals. Stop okay, it, Cormac. Stop I got it. Into Just, this, no, I got it's into not going to happen. I'm one of those idealists who got into this profession thinking that architecture can change the world all right uh sue me um i apologize but you know where do i file my lawsuit (laughs) where this (laughs) where this guy is failed is he's failed he's because he's spit in the face of everybody else saying that your experience and your knowledge and everything that you've done thus far means nothing to me and there's nothing that you can do to teach me that I don't already know so I yeah. don't need you 
for me to take over and change this profession. This and guy needs to have kids immediately. That's what I think. <laughs> he well, does. I, I just hope that, you know, his his proclamation that he is the most gen, uh, entrepreneurial generation ever really helps him uh, because he's going to need it. You know, and back to my idealism, I really hope it's true. Yeah. I really hope that because right now, because yeah, we what, do need what it. I've, we do. We absolutely need, um, you know, what I would actually like to see from this guy is a little bit of, you know, humbled reality that, you know, he can at least understand that he's going to need to work as a team. Okay, you know, we, but Cormac, that humble reality does not get you 49,000 or 46,000 views on this uh on this article. So No, those yeah. you know, most of those You're views right. are angered views that are that have the same opinion. Get a load of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, well, look at this BS. Right? Yeah, and you know? and or between us we'll be like, "Hey, I think we can make it, a show out of this." It is the water cooler. <laughs> it is the water cooler talk. Yeah. It is it is, you know, it is a great water cooler talk and, you know, it's <laughs> I'm are. done with this. This this is leaving a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> I want to be done. Drink more juice. Drink more juice. Well, I think we're done. Yeah. So if you have questions or comments on this, please give our website 46,000 views by going to augerspeakpodcast.com. And if you want to engage with us or call us out on Twitter, you can find our Twitter accounts there. Or if you really want to let loose on, uh, on us, you can uh, give us a call at Arcuspeak Podcast hotline at 415-484-8496 or visit the Facebook page where you can... Uh, you know, feel free to uh, give us your two cents on this. So, you know, please visit and, and let us know what you guys think. Yeah, I know that a lot of people were saying that, you know, we, they were hoping we could talk about this. And hopefully, uh, I don't know if we had anything to add to the conversation, but I would love to hear what rage, raging infernos are going on out there over this, because there definitely were some people who were pretty upset about it. Well, we have, uh, I would say we probably have some millennial listeners out there. So, um, you know, chime in. Yeah. Give us what, give us Tell what us you how think. Wrong we are. Yeah. You, know. you know, and in the 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 guys that are in school right now, that you know are looking to be the millennials that changed the profession. Let us know how. Let us know how you want to do it, and you know, but be positive about it because let us know how we can help. You let us know how we can help. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you you're at least going to have to come to us for the experience to take over the world. You can. There you go. Well, with that, let's leave it at that. Everybody, please stay subscribed, and thanks for listening. Good night. Good night. Good night, guys.
back.